Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast and Happy New Year as well. Jordan, Tom and myself all here to discuss a couple of games, starting off with Swansea 1. My goodness, I didn't think I could get much worse after Millwall. That was uh, a poor game, but Swansea is... Oh, it's like they didn't even turn up. Anyway, look, forget that for a second. Guys, how how are you doing? How, how was your New Year's Eve? Was it good? Yeah, doing very well, thank you. Pretty uh, pretty casual one, so I'm feeling pretty fresh uh, recording this morning. Nice, uh, what, nice. what year did we start this? What year did you start this? Um, when did this podcast it was the COVID year. So what was that? 2020? 1920, wasn't it? 1920. <laughs> yeah. This is, the, this is the third year of recording then, we're going to say. Yeah, we're into the third year of recording. Wow. Amazing. Well, congratulations on that on that uh, milestone. But yeah, no, my New Year's was good. Um, how, about you? how about you, Tom? How are you feeling? Yeah, all good. I'm under the weather, so I had two beers, one shot, and um, a lot of Diet Coke. But despite that, I wasn't <laughs> in bed until gone three, and I have had three and a half hours sleep. So I'm oh, no. Probably about as fresh as a Watford footballer at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, initially, what did we think? post Swansea, what, what are we thinking, guys? I think the, fir- the first thing that we, we all said when we uh, were awaiting the Swansea game to commence was the lineup looked particularly weak didn't it yeah yeah it was awful is is that i mean obviously recency bias and so on but just off the top of your head is that the worst we've seen the team look overall possibly uh, from a from a lineup perspective gaspar and ngaki are in the same team that's happened a few times this season where you've looked at the team and they put it out and you've a not been able to work out immediately who's where and what the system is and B gone, my yeah. God, that's a bad team. And then C gone, well, the team better win the game because the subs are not going to change a thing. And, yeah. well, all, all of those things proved the case. I think there's there's a debate raging at the moment, is there, on Twitter, how relevant this all is because of the injuries. But I still think, you know, those are 11 professional footballers that go out there. And all right, a lot of them are kind of second or third choice. They're not playing necessarily in the position or role of preference but there's professional pride and knowing that they got embarrassed on boxing day by Millwall they should be putting in a far better display than that and I think that result was probably what we feared would happen against Millwall but didn't quite because they took their foot off the gas a bit and only got the second goal late on yeah well the team meeting went well didn't it 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. In my experience, that's what happens. I'm football manager. Whenever I get offered the opportunity to hold a team meeting because we're either on the cusp of doing something good or in, a, in the, the pits of despair, it usually goes wrong anyway. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I'd say just, if anything that's accurate. Just dis- maybe they, they met and they just established that they are all in fact shite at football. <laughs> and the rest ensued. Look, I, I mean, it was it was rough, wasn't it? I think the the lineup spoke for itself. It, I, and as you say, Tom, they are professional, and I, I think the, the the fact that you have injuries, I, I think that there is there is a debate going on, as you say. Um, but I think one thing that is, I would probably say, quite unanimously felt is, regardless of of that fact in particular, the reason we are in the situation we are in is not just because of the injuries. And yeah, they are excessively high, but the the depth we have in the squad. Has made, has cost us even more when it comes to the situation. You, know, you mm. look at the you look at the left back situation. You look at the maybe the central midfield is, is slightly different because of the, the the number of of injuries. But you look at all these positions, these positional groups, and how thin they are and how different they are from each other. For example, that forward line. You know we've got some players on the bench, but you bring Bayer one. It's just not it, it's not the sort of player we need in that situation. He looks you know on an island, and it's just a just a mess. So it's a, it's a conglomeration of all these ass, all these issues. Of piling into one, but yeah, I mean, we look—we're halfway through a season. We just look completely unprepared uh, in so many in so many ways. But from a from a squad building perspective, we're a mess. How, how did the game uh, begin, Tom? For you, did did you feel as though the, the team started well, or was it just bad from the off? Yeah, easy to forget this given what happened. But I thought we were actually okay early on. Um, you know, in the scheme of things, it means very little or nothing. Um, but actually, in the kind of early running, we were not too bad. There was a chance for Keenan Davis, wasn't there? We yeah, kind of yeah. got up and got a firm contact, but um, it was it was straight uh, Steve Bender, um, Stephen Bender in the Swansea goal. But it felt like we had a reasonable amount of the ball, and then just gradually that tie turn not sure what it was and it kind of by the time Joel Puro scored the first one five minutes before half time you thought oh well actually that's been coming but up to that point it'd been all right but I think that probably speaks for the kind of confidence level at the moment doesn't it that it's it's fragile and and how important momentum is in football I was listening to a Barnet podcast the other day and they had their goalkeeper on Laurie Walker and often player interviews are just a bit rubbish and don't offer a lot of insight but this one was actually quite interesting he said you can't underestimate or you shouldn't underestimate the importance of momentum and confidence in football that, you know, if you have none, everything kind of starts to go against you. You, you know, it kind of creeps into your thinking that, okay, we've gone one nil up, but we'll concede in a minute and so on and so forth. And I wonder, you know, if with that Watford team, and again, not trying to make excuses, but trying to offer some more, yeah, I don't want to say insight because people <laughs> might disagree, but yes, to all intents and purposes that, you know, if they're going nil-nil, oh, but we've not really created any chances, oh, and if we don't score, then they'll probably score, and then there's no way back. And do you know what I mean? And I guess it's like that in every walk of life, isn't it? Everyone, most people at least, I certainly do, have some element of self-doubt um, a lot of the time. But that doesn't excuse what came after that. Yeah, I think I think it's you know it's a bad point. I think um, the, the mental side of the game is... is one that is probably going to get more explored as as time goes on, but it's obviously so vital um, in in changing the you know the momentum of a team. 
especially when you talk about team sport too, because you're kind of cre- trying to create a culture of positivity and, and also professionalism and all these things have to be kind of on point or at least has to be a good balance for them to be successful. And I think, you know, we've struggled with that for a while and, you know, we've debated the, the reasons as to why that's been the case for a long time. And it's, it's a hard one to put your finger on, especially from the outside. But, you know, you can see regard, I think that's what the, the ultimate feeling is for a lot of fans is regardless of the issues we have, we still do lack, or at least from our perspective, from what it looks like, we lack a lot of the the character needed to overcome certain situations, even the one like yesterday, as bad as it was, we rolled over pretty quickly and they didn't really feel like there was much hope um, from the players on the pitch. And it was just a, it's a disappointing performance in, in many ways, not just the fact it was 4-0, but there was just a real, again, a lack of character and it was it, it was hard to watch, I feel. Was it three four one two by the end of it, Jordan? Was that the formation that was being played? Yeah, I mean it was it it was a three at the back and everything in front was quite a mess really. It just varied a lot, especially when the when the when the players, you know, the substitutes had to be made were made, you know, Morris came on and um uh, Bio and Kalu. It was just a just to get bodies out there by the last, you know, half an hour or so. I mean, starting wise it was it was somewhat of a of, of a three five two, but it you know it was always had its issues in the beginning, especially with the the right back on the left side and so on. It was it it was a bit messy, and I thought we struggled. There's the, the first portion of the game, it was really just trying to get the ball forward to Davis and see if he can do anything with it. Um, I thought Ismail Assar was quite ineffective, and yeah, it was just it, it was an, it was an uncomfortable game uh, for the players, and it, it just didn't look good uh, for, for for the majority. You put you put out an a, an average position map at half time. I'm going to explain what, what that was showing. I think it just shows how manhandled we were by Swansea, honestly. I, I think I think maybe if people took it as indicative of us, you know, just having a very strange approach. But it's I think when you often you see that sort of system, like well, sorry, when you when you see whenever you see that sort of layout um for an average position, it, it's generally when it's that lopsided, it's generally a react a reactive uh shape. You know, you're not having the influence in the game to, to to dictate the way you want to play, and you know everything's. If you're not looking at it right now, if you haven't seen it, effectively this is at half time. Everything's just grouped to the right hand side, and yeah, there's it's, it's very deep, and there's just no there's just no balance, no semblance of of structure there at all. So it's just it just kind of shows and illustrates a little bit of of how we were kind of out, out of control and and kind of succumbing to to Swansea. Tom, the first goal was uh, a mistake from from True Steckon, but it it maybe it was a, a a broader mistake from the way that Watford tried to play out from the back. Is that something that maybe is is beyond yeah. us at the minute? Yeah, I just I've questioned this for a, a few times on the pod and on Twitter and what have you, and even kind of beyond Watford. When you see teams that pass it out from the back. Um, at goal kicks, using the fact that they can now have a, a player in the penalty area other than the goalkeeper. And you just think, you're only doing that because you feel like you should, because it's the on-trend thing to try and build from the back. And I just think William Drewster, as we know, is not the player um, to be building from the back. He can't do it. Um, this is a, plenty this of things a free he... kick as well, wasn't it? Sorry? This this was a free kick situation, wasn't it? Oh, was it? For, I, not, my memory. So I think I've tried to erase think, this and to get my mind as quickly no, as possible. No, I don't blame you at all. But it was almost so, a double Trusta Kong mistake because Backman is Backman is setting himself to take a goal kick, and Trusta Kong taps the ball to him to get the ball into play. 
and then the right. Yes, starts. you're right. You are totally right. Yes. Okay. Either way, point still Which stands. Is even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was. The, it was as you say. It was a double. It was a double error. It was a pretty egregious double error, and it does feel like the sort of thing that. It, you know, it was entirely avoidable, basically. It's that simple. It was it was entirely of our own making. They didn't have to work. Um, they didn't have to work for that at all. And really and truly, in a situation where we are confidence-wise, just do the simple thing. Just don't try and be too smart. Just, it's, you know, five minutes before half-time, get to the break, nil-nil. But that's the game changes right there and then, doesn't it? And it's us shooting ourselves in the foot for the umpteenth time. Um, I was listening from the rookery end and they were saying, their observation, I don't know if you picked up on this, Jordan, I must admit I hadn't, was that they felt like Swansea were setting up and pressing in a way that was leaving Truce de Kong as the spare man from, um, from goal kicks, you know, to try and push Watford into a situation where they did play out through him or try to play out through him, presumably having done their homework and knowing he's no good on the ball. As I say, I didn't notice that, but if that is the case, then, you know, smart uh, analysis, what shrewd analysis from them in advance. Yeah, I think I think any of that, apart from Casca, I think if you leave Truce de Kong or Cabaselli open in that situation, you're probably doing well. Like when you're playing against a back three too, often it's going to be the, the central the central centre-back that's, that's not covered, but I mean, mm. it works out well for them anyway, doesn't it? Because you either cover Trista Kong, you, you cover Cabaselli, or sorry, you leave one of them open, you're probably going to have a good time with the ball. Um, but yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was, it was poor. Um, which next thing, which is honestly probably one of the biggest takeaways from it, you know, talking about poorness carrying on that trend. I thought that the set piece work was horrific uh, from us. Mm. What what are your thoughts on that? We didn't deal with it at all. And it, it was one of those situations where we kept falling for the same thing over and over again. And, yeah. Uh, we got punished for it. I felt like Harry Darling, who is a big bloke and good on the ball and a bit of a menace at set pieces anyway, and shooting from distance and so on, seemed to be free at every opportunity from a corner or a free kick. They nearly He nearly scored fairly soon after, didn't he, with a header. He was unmarked and then he had a port. A port, a part to play in the second goal. It was just yeah. a, it was a common theme throughout. I think, wasn't it, that we looked ragged from set pieces. They'd evidently done their homework in that respect. I'd, funnily enough, I was, I had a brief Twitter exchange with Sean Cronin, who used to be a centre half for Wealdstone when I covered them, and who's a Swansea fan, and he said we never score from set pieces. And I thought, really, you look blo- maybe we're making you look good, but you look bloody dangerous from them tonight. The set piece analyst is a Watford fan, so he's <laughs> he's fully aware of our frailties. And oh, really? Um, that's interesting. And exploited ah. that. Yeah, ah, that's interesting. It should be remembered that this Swansea team we were facing was a Swansea team in form form themselves. So it was quite surprising. No eight, wasn't it? Prior to the game, yeah, it was yeah. quite surprising that they. Uh, they really took it to us, but we're the perfect I mean, we're opponent like at the moment, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. If you're, if if you, I mean, look, most teams should have done their homework on their opposition coming into any games. If you've watched the last five Watford games, you're going into that one feeling pretty confident. You know, the the table is irrelevant. The the, the gap between, you know, third and fifteenth is is so tight that the table is irrelevant. The, the squad is irrelevant because they're not available. And you look at our last few games, we've been awful. I mean. Have we scored one in the last four or one in the last five, whatever it is? Um, we just, we're not very good. So a team like Swansea, who did quite well at Vicarage Road, 100% they should have been confident for that one. And 
you know, if you're Norwich, you're looking at this game as well and thinking, you know, this is this is a team that we should be beating. So, um, yeah, tough, t- <laughs> tough situation. Yeah, half time feels like quite an important moment because I think they were trailing by one, weren't they? And uh, you know, that's a very easy score to to you know put right if you um, are able to you know sort of recover yourselves. But um, it, I don't know, they just came out and worse than they had been in the first half. And there was that sort of, was it nine minutes or so where three goals were scored from Swansea? Uh, from, I think, yeah, Piero you and, know what? and Cullen. And then the, the young lad got in on the action as well, didn't he? It's all kind of merged into one after half time for me. It's just, it's just a, yeah, it was it. It was a flurry of uh, of dominance from from Swansea to really put us to the sword. It was, we just looked like you know we we looked like we'd given up. There was no, and this is what I mean. The character wasn't there. There was no, there was no sense of urgency. We didn't look like we believed we could come back into the game. Uh, we're kind of just going through the motions at that point. I thought, and yeah, it's just crazy. It's hard to watch, especially after you know again all the comments that come out about putting things right in the next two games, working harder, you know, it's just, there's no, there's no sign of it. So, um, yeah, bad second half as well. And then the Tom Deli Bashiru injury, um, ah, it was frustrating as hell because he was one of the players that, I mean, maybe not in that game, but recently um, had been able to probably stick his hand up and say, I had a reasonable game, despite the fact that we were poor as a team. But, now he's going to be out, and I mean, Jordan. Did was you saying before the pod that uh, that it looks like that could be months rather than weeks that he's out for? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but it looks like it could be an extended injury. So, I mean, if you're out with him out without him for any longer period of time, you know, it's not it's not ideal. He hasn't had the he might not have been the, you know the best player in the last couple of weeks, but he's at least a central midfielder. And I think you look at someone like Bakuna and. Bakun has really offered nothing, in my opinion, since he's come into the team. Uh, but we're, we're really just calling on these players now, Kone coming in um, and Martins coming in to to be there straight away. I mean, these are two players you can see going straight into the starting lineup, especially Kone, because um, we, we need them. We need them now. So I know we're talking post Norwich, and they probably they might have played by now, so we won't go on for it too much. But um, yeah, they've they've got to come straight in. Although it, although I did read. Is it correct that Martins is available for one game and is going away for Brazil under twenties? Really, I didn't know that. I might have just read a tweet which isn't accurate, but I saw someone tweeting about it. And I wasn't sure if that was the case, if that had been confirmed anywhere. So, perfect. I hope not. But... Absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know for sure, so don't yeah, don't quote me on that. But... Should we be worried with regards to Watford's chances of making the playoffs this season? Well, actually, we should 100% be worried. Mm. We're halfway through the season. And we're shocking right now. I'd be very concerned if I was the uh, if I was the ownership. And you know, there's there's that part of you which I think, as Watford fans, we're so fatigued by the same thing over and over again. I think there's probably an aspect that a lot of people would probably want us to miss out on the playoffs to kind of maybe teach us a lesson and, and yeah. show that we 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 can't get away with continue. Because you can you imagine if we if we got promoted this season. I know we've got Ben Manga in and, and there's potential to do something different there um, should we get promoted. But the, the the reality is there's a very good chance if we were even to get promoted, it'd be a very similar season to last time. Uh, I don't think anyone wants that again. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that we should by any means feel confident that we'll, we'll achieve playoffs, not as things are. 
Um, there has to be some real, real sign of change over January. If there's not, then I'd expect this team to be mid-table, personally. Tom, you had a theory with regards to the uh, the academy being able to uh, boost ranks in previous years, probably looking at over ten years ago now. But yeah, what's your yeah? No, absolutely, that? absolutely. I, I think I just it's just another kind of damning indictment of where we find ourselves that we are scrabbling around for players at the moment. And it doesn't even seem, I, re, I appreciate I'm saying this off the back of Adrian Blake being on the bench against Swansea. And that's probably the first sign of it. But, it, you know, it's so rarely the case that we see these players utilised from the under-23s from the academy. And you just think in years gone by, we'd have had no qualms about dipping in. So what is that, that they're just that far off now because the level they're at or is they're so far off because of the level that the first team players are at it, you know maybe a bit of that is it a cultural thing it, you know it's just I appreciate that you lose Ismail Asar say because he gets sold or you lose Jao Pedro you're not going to go and find someone in the academy who can do what they do I, I completely appreciate that but you know there are some more unalloyed jobbing players in that team that the, the drop-off probably isn't so great if you've bought Let's just use Adrian Blake because he's the closest at the moment. If you've bought him into the team, had him around the team, given him a few substitute appearances and so on and so forth. But we see it for a little bit with someone like Joe Hungbo was the last one, wasn't he? Kind of in the championship season. And then, we, you know, we never saw him again and we probably won't. Is Hungbo injured, by the way? Not really sure what's going on with him, to be honest. He must be injured as well, presumably, if he's not involved. I he's thought he was a... on the bench, wasn't he? Was he? Was he? Oh, he may have okay, been. Hanging sorry. Better, sorry, better. carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Hungbo was on the bench and Morris, but you know, generally, you just think they're not really options, are they? They're making up the numbers, and it's just—I don't know. It's just—I appreciate it's kind of just piling on at this point and kind of using anything to hit the club over the head with. But it is something that in the past we would have taken kind of some solace and some pride and and used the academy and and felt like it could help plug the gap. But these days, that just feels like a pipe dream. I think. Cynically, it would have probably bought the club a bit of patience as well if we were at least seeing some kids get decent minutes, but we're not. So, yeah, it's just all rubbish, isn't it? Um, after the game, then, uh, Bilic came out and uh, was, as you probably could imagine, cross with the performance. He spoke to uh, the Watford Observer's uh, representative, uh, Andrew French, that's it, yeah. And, uh, yeah, what, what did we learn from that, uh, Tom? Learn, don't know if this is news to people, but I think he said the right things in terms of thinking about the supporters and embarrassment and offering up an apology. And I think most people would say, I've seen a couple of people kind of say, direct their unhappiness, I guess, at him. But I've seen a couple of people, morons, say that he should be sacked. Um, but who could but, do a better job? That's but the who thing. Could do it? Yeah, that's it. I, what I would say is I, I feel for him and I, my almost big, concern bigger concern than any of this is if he doesn't see the you know the right things happening behind the scenes the integration of Ben Manga who I assume he's going to work with more closely on a day-to-day basis than Elena Costa which is the only reason I don't kind of mention her um and you know reinforcements brought in where he wants them because he's been pretty vocal about that you know you've got to say he's he's not he's no kind of um shrinking Violet in that respect, is he? He said a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was that he wanted midfielders and wingers. And now he said, well, we're probably going to need forwards as well if Pedro's injured. So, you know, he's made it pretty clear what he wants. And if I just think he's a sort of bloke, principal kind of guy, I'll just go, well, do you know what? If I'm not being given the tools, 
um, and backed properly, then this has got the potential to cause me more harm, more reputational damage than good, and I'll just go. And I, I think I know I can remember when we did the pod immediately after Rob Edwards was sacked and Billich came in, and I was quite sort of you know just another name off the kind of um, revolving uh, conveyor belt of former former name managers but I've got to say I've been impressed with what he's said and his kind of manner and so on and so forth and I think he's someone I would kind of hitch my wagon to if I was a player and I think therefore if we create a situation where he doesn't feel supported sufficiently and lose him because of that that will be a real real kick in the teeth so you know I've got no this is not based on any kind of information or anything like that it's just a, a legitimate concern because why the hell would you at the moment? You just, there's nothing positive to cling to at the moment as a coach, is there? And it surely must be in the back of his mind somewhere that, you know, Norwich to come. Then we've got a couple of kind of on paper easier fixtures, haven't we? Blackpool and Rotherham. But then it's Middlesbrough, Reading, Blackburn, Burnley, West Brom, Sheffield United, who are all either in or around the playoffs or in flying form uh, if they're not in the t- kind of top six. If you don't come out of that next few fixtures well, you know, it's not inconceivable that the Potsos get itchy trigger finger. Potso gets itchy trigger finger again, is it? And we're back to square one for the umpteenth time. So if you are Billich, do you stay for a second season? If uh, <sighs> You'd want if, some pretty cast iron assurances in the summer, wouldn't you, that if players leave, you're going to get to invest that money. You're going to get to have a say in the recruitment and, and so on and so forth. But with that, can guarantee anyone if any of us were in his shoes in the summer and you sit down with Scott and Gino or in all likelihood probably Scott and he says okay yeah look we're going to have to sell Jao Pedro now Sar's gone all the loanees are going back the decent ones um, can't afford to make their deals permanent they don't want to come anyway Kamara's probably going to well. yeah amazing. that's it we're probably going to have to sell a couple more but don't worry we'll give you you know I don't know 20% of everything back, 25% of everything back, or 25% of everything that we make will be reinvested in the squad. Just for argument's sake, I don't even know if that's how it works at football clubs, right? And, and certainly Billich isn't the one who goes out and says, we'll pay this much for this player. But, you know, even so, would you trust that? Because we know what Scott Duxbury's word is worth really these days in terms of the hierarchy at Watford, because we saw how spectacularly he got slapped down over the whole cultural change and Rob Edwards and whatnot. So... <laughs> Would that convince you to stay? If I were if I were Billich, I'd think get out before before the damage is permanent. Really, mm, yeah, probably isn't doing his uh, credit in the bank too good, is it? If, and he, uh, and he's just yeah. at that point where you know he obviously got sat by West Brom, went to China after that for a bit, and then came back here. You know, he's probably just teetering on that brink of does well, gets another good job in this country goes badly probably doesn't get another good job in this country so yeah. he's got to, cynically he's got to think about his own career I would. imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So if you're listening to this, you have just heard the first part of the uh, podcast where we discuss the dreadful performance uh, away at Swansea, where we, where we lost 4-0. Uh, you're now going to rejoin us discussing about... Um, a rather better performance, really. Um, guys, you're still with me in the magic of radio. Um, <laughs> uh, straight into Norwich, then, I guess. We were expecting more of a common theme between the two episodes, weren't we? Um, yeah. Yeah. You're expecting that they've actually bothered to listen to it. They may just have skipped through the <laughs> chat by this point, and who could blame them, to be fair? Well, yeah. Yeah. Chalk and cheese, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was, it, I, mean, I guess the connection, the thread between the two of them was the the, the threadbare line, uh, lineup, really. That was the main consistency. Mm. You know, we looked depleted massively. The lineup was arguably worse than the one before it. It was worse, I'd say, uh, in terms of just personnel. We were able to get out on the pitch and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a struggling team uh, in that sense. But what we did see different was we saw a, uh, a level of commitment and application from the players, which was, was far greater than we've seen in, in recent weeks, even with uh, a stronger team on the pitch. It was, it, it was much better. And it was a, a team you felt like you could get behind, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, did you expect a victory away at Norwich? No, certainly not. My friend messaged me a while ago and said, oh, do you fancy going to Norwich? Seeing it's Christmas break still and so on, and I said, to be honest with you, no, I don't because uh, <laughs> don't <laughs> before me. before we were terrible, just because it was the kind of the day before work, it's a, you know, a pain in the neck to get back from bank holiday, blah blah blah. And then the day before the game, I texted him and said, I can't tell you how glad I am that I said no to going to Norwich. Um, and he said, What you mean you're not looking forward to seeing the Bakuna uh, Gaspar midfield uh, dream team? And I said, Absolutely not. So I couldn't have been more wrong on two levels, really. Um, no, I didn't see that coming. Anyone who did, congratulations. Congratulations to those who are hardier fans than I am yeah, and went absolutely. to the game. Um, well done, guys. Again. Rather than watching it on the sofa. 
I thought we were not perfect by a long stretch, but it was in the circumstances a lot, lot closer to what you would want to see in terms of some of those intangibles like commitment and desire and fight and so on. And, and therefore makes you question why that isn't the bare minimum every game. Um, because I don't think we saw any of that in the, the games against Swansea or Millwall over the Christmas period. And if they can just turn it on like that, then why wouldn't they turn it on more often mm. uh, in, in, in terms of those things? So that was pleasing, but also sort of frustrating in, in equal measure. Um, but I think it was probably a, a, a game that on balance we deserved to win because Norwich didn't really didn't trouble Daniel Backman. They had, they had opportunities insofar as the Grant Hanley header was disallowed for offside correctly. Josh Sargent forced a save out of Backman, but kind of a long way from goal in a strange kind of way. And they hit the post face of the bar mm. right at the end, didn't they? Uh, Sarah with that free kick. But they didn't have any kind of real clear-cut opportunities. And no. Watford had a couple that they might have done done better with them one day. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a surprising and pleasantly, pleasantly so uh, a victory. Jordan, three changes for this one. Serralta, uh, Morris and Kalou in for Troost Ekong, Dele Bashir and Espria. Dele Bashir because of the injury. Talk us through some of the changes then. Well, I think Serralta came in uh, and did a really good job. I thought he was solid. Um, he brought kind of what you expect him to bring to the team. I, I think we could have done with him a few more times this season. I think that was his first start in, was it five maybe? Uh, and I, I think he he improved the defence. I think we needed that presence in there and he was he was very good, I thought. Um and then uh, yeah, Morris as well. I, I thought, yeah, you know, I think it was a difficult game for him. It's it's a standard. The standard's too too high for him at the moment. I would say, mm. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. With uh, that. But what I will say is, he gave everything. And you know, even if you're not quite up to the standard, I I, I do respect the fact that he went out there in a difficult situation. He did it. Um, his delivery was a little bit poor at times. We did put one really good cross in. Uh, in the second half, which was um, one of our best chances of coming from his delivery. Yeah. Um, so credit to him, you know, young lad, and I hope he, he gets the opportunity somewhere, you know, potentially with us. But um, I want to play football somewhere. And you know, it's, in an it's ideal true. The more I see him, Jordan, the more I think, ah, oh, I don't think he's going to cut it at this level, which is really disappointing because I really want him to. Um, yeah. No, of course. But yeah. it just, I don't think he's, I don't think he's quite at championship level. But like you say. He really did a job for us. Um, he did the basic things right, um, mm-hmm. and you know, like he put in, like, like that that particular cross. Uh, I think it was towards the far post, and it was headed down. And mm-hmm. then I think was it um, that was the really good Bio who had a had a chance, didn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. all came from that cross. So it did, yeah. And you know, as, as you say, it's it's it's, it's a shame. You, you you did try very hard, and you know, in an ideal situation here, perhaps be getting football elsewhere and and getting regular minutes. But you know, given our situation, it is it is what it is. And then um, I just kind of lost my train of thought. Who's the, who was the third player that came in? Kalu. Kalu. Yeah, and actually, Kalu, you know, this will get us onto the next the next <laughs> theme, yeah. I'm sure. But um, I, I thought Kalu actually was very bright. I thought he was one of the brighter players in the game. He you know direct. He was. He was working hard and he was industrious. And I think, honestly, from what we've seen of Kalu, when he's been on the pitch, he's been he's been pretty good, actually. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it was a it was a positive a positive start for those guys. Yeah. Just on Morris, I think everybody's desperate for him to do well, aren't they? Because we so rarely see a homegrown player, and I will touch on that, come through. That he being not homegrown, but at least young, and. <laughs> 
at the club for more than five minutes. We've kind of, <laughs> by proxy, made him a homegrown player in our minds and want him to, you know, willing him to do well. Um, I don't know if either of you, do you remember Tom James, the defender, left-back they signed from, I think it was Stratford Town under Sean Dyche when we were really, really kind of up against it financially. No, um, no, I don't. I can't say well, I do, actually, funnily enough. Which well, yeah, yeah, funnily enough, I'll tell, I really willed him to do well because of his kind of background and coming out of non-league at the time. And he made one substitute appearance in the FA Cup. I think it was against Hartlepool or Bradford, someone like that. Um, and that was it for his Watford career. And it kind of feels the same with James Morris, that he's probably only here getting an opportunity at the moment because of the, the dreadful circumstances. If we'd had another senior left back around, he would probably have been parked out on loan somewhere. And there's arguably a point there to be made, isn't there? Would he have been better served by going and getting football in League One or two than um, sitting here and being not even on the bench most weeks? I think probably playing more under 23 football than anything because he's not young, young either, is he? He's 21. So, yeah, you know, he's at the sort of age pro- where you get released, isn't he? So that's it. He's probably never going to make it, but at championship level, at, at, least, championship at least at level, this sorry. point yes, in his career. Yes, yes. but. Thank goodness we have him around. So at least we had a left footer on there and it brings a bit of balance mm. uh, to proceedings, whether or not he's good enough in the long run. He, he reminds me a little bit uh, of Brandon Mason. Who yeah, was, another was one, the the one of, who was yeah. genuinely homegrown that we willed to do well. Mm. Um, and actually, I had, I had higher hopes for him because he was a bit more of a pacier kind of wing-back kind of player rather than the orthodox left-back. That good game, yeah, was it, it against... Like, yeah. um, was it against Tottenham in the Premier League under Walter Mazzari? Did he? Yeah. I think Brandon Mason was is, is a better player. I think he was at a better point. In his, I think he was um, further along in his development yeah. or at least a better player at the time when he was playing personally. I think Brandon Mason did offer something in those games. And, you know, it's, again, it's, it's a very similar situation, extremely difficult. But, um, you know, even someone like Mason, he's, he's playing what? He's playing at Crawley now um, mm-hmm. in League Two. So... Well, that's a big jump, especially when you consider that he was playing Premier League football as well. Uh, but yeah, I think it's not a bad comparison. It's just one of those situations. It's very difficult, and you know, it could have been him, or it could have been any other other left backs we've had over the years. The Toby, is it Toby Stevenson and mm, all these guys yeah, that we yeah. had around. Yeah. Um, but you left know, left back it, has it, been a problem for some time, really, in that lack of depth sense, hasn't it? And it's going to be a continued problem as soon yeah. as Kamara goes back to Udinese as well, isn't it? Well, yeah, really true. Good point. That's even. Since we got relegated the first time, uh, as you say, Jordan had Toby Stevenson, didn't we? Sort of backing up Ken mm-hmm. Semmer, as it as it were, while Messina was injured. Um, and then last season, who was at left back until we signed Kamara? Can't even remember. Oh, oh yeah, Massimo, yeah. Massimo, of course, yeah. <laughs> very forgettable. Yeah, very forgettable. So yeah, left back a problem. Mm. Well, I think that's an area that's going to be targeted. Uh, maybe not in January necessarily, because they might. Just rely on keeping uh, keeping Kamara fit when he gets back potentially, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's one of many positions that that have some uh, some needs for depth in the in the near future. Yeah. Um, but speaking of depth and the lack of it, we've been <laughs> yeah, and lack of it. Uh, I think we found ourselves in, a, in an even more difficult situation. Our players kept going down against Norris, didn't they? What is it? Is there some kind of voodoo or something that is in us i don't understand um and look if it's um 
it's, it's one thing if it's injuries that are being picked up because of impact, right? But a lot of these, um, almost half of the injuries we have currently are things that have been done during the game, like, like a hamstring, for example. Uh, do we have to start wondering if... Um, the workload in training is too much or, 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 if, or if they're not being properly warmed up before the game starts or I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a very, it's a very complex situation. Obviously you're looking for trends and when you have the amount of injuries we have, it's just generally going to be more than just coincidence at that point. Um, obviously identified their soft tissue injuries is something we're seeing more and more regularly from from these games, I think it was this game was two. I'm trying to think, it was two hamstrings and what was the other injury that we suffered? Two hamstrings and Davis. All hamstrings. All I hamstrings. Think, I think. Oh yeah, it was, it was all hamstrings because it was Cabaselli was a hamstring also, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> warming up and so on, probably not. I mean, could they do more than what we see? Yes, they might do some a little bit before they come out even. But you know, often I didn't see the warm ups. So it's hard to comment too much on that. But I think when you when you're looking at these situations, you've got to be looking a little bit further than just the injury department, um, which has been criticised quite heavily. And obviously, they have a, a part to play in prevention, but also rehabilitation um, post injury. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that play a part in this. Whether it's you know rest, recovery, um, the strength and conditioning, coaching, nutrition. These are all elements. These are all factors that have to be investigated and I, I did tweet during the game if you really want to find out the root of this problem you have to look at all these areas um quite thoroughly to to establish what's going wrong because clearly uh there is an issue there it's not a, it's not a, a situation where all these players you know veteran players are picking up we've got younger guys that yeah some have had histories the likes of Kalu and Davis have had histories with hamstring issues but we're picking them up consistently um in, in early phases of the game also at times uh, so it, it's definitely it's definitely a problem um you know, some of them are not directly linked. You know, you have had some some kind of more unfortunate injuries uh, that have taken place. You know, Jao Pedro has was a bit of a contact injury, uh, although he was already carrying ones. There are there are other factors at play, and there is an element of coincidence as well. But we have to address the issue because it is you know, impacting us heavily uh, to the point we are going into the games as as light as we are. Yeah, I mean, it, it, central midfield seems to be the worst hit area of all of them. Yeah, it's just, it's our entire central midfield pretty much, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult, and I think you know, training workload as well is something that has to be looked at too. Like looking at these, looking at the numbers, these sorry, the minutes these players are getting their legs, the types of movements they're doing over the course of the week. And this is these are things that should be monitored very very carefully, and I'm I'm sure they are to some extent. But um, it, is there a lack of synergy between departments to get an even workload? Is it? I don't know, but there's something going on. Yes. It, it needs to be further looked at by the um, by the staff. I'm sure they're already doing it as we speak. Um, having said that, though, even though we are light in midfield, um, and this has already happened once this season, which is peculiar with Dan Gosling being switched to midfield and somehow um, proving to everyone that that's a position that he's very comfortable with. The the latest addition uh, in central midfield is is Mario Gaspar, who. Uh, has also become an unlikely uh, hero in the centre of midfield, albeit we only have that we only have that one game to go by, so it could all it could all be proven um, wrong as we go forward. But um, fingers crossed, though, because he had a, a reasonable game, didn't he? Yeah, reasonable game. I think it's one of those things where you it can be easy to get carried away by them doing by the player doing better than the 
low bar expectations that we might have. I used the royal we there. Um, but I think he was objectively decent, uh, all things considered. The kind of signature move, I suppose, for him, which is kind of trying to kick the ball with a lot of might and then missing the ball entirely or just getting a very weak, pitiful contact on it was still there a few times. So it's nice to see that that happens regardless of where he's placed on the field. But he, I don't know, he just seemed to be very heavily involved and, you know, had a, a part to play in a couple of decent moves. There was one, wasn't there, where he slotted, um, I think it was Keenan Davis, slid Keenan Davis through kind of fairly early on or certainly in the first half for a chance um it was him that got in the box and headed the ball down for vacuum bio to have that chance which was a decent opportunity he was um yeah he was involved and overall i looked it up was uh was among the kind of uh, top players for defensive actions attempted and defensive duels attempted and, and successful which suggests that it was a you know pretty combative and, and, and busy dis- display from a defensive point of view obviously you know that kind of is dependent on how much of the ball you have and or don't have in in that case but yeah all things considered he did well like, which doesn't really chime with the player you see it right back you kind of assume right back or full back at least in the central midfielder require a similar profile player in, and certainly in a physical sense that there's going to be a lot of running and getting up and down and that is something he seems to struggle with at right back, but uh, it was less of an apparent issue in midfield, I, I think. What did you guys make of it? We certainly had several um, midfielders at Villarreal to uh, sort of look at whilst he was in training and, and, and be able to take something from. Um, who, who, who am I thinking of? Like, uh, Lesoso, uh, Santi Corzola. Uh, was, um, was Raquel May there? One point, I think he was. Once upon a time, yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. Uh, Economy of effort, Manny, Raquel had, May. That's, uh, yeah, they had uh, Danny Parejo and um, Senna, Marcos Senna. Was he? Was he there? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, he's been training with these guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe something's rubbed off on him. Maybe, maybe he's always wanted to play in central midfield, but never had the chance because he was with all these amazing players. But uh, now, now is his opportunity. I think it's worth remembering too that the position he played for. Villarreal, we've, we've talked about it before, but the, when he, the way he got up the pitch is often quite central. You look at a lot of his, his goal contributions for Villarreal and even you know his goal for Spain, his famous goal for Spain against England. He, he finds himself in that kind of narrow advanced position. He underlapped quite a lot. Uh, often a lot of the time he used the ball was from that kind of right centre midfield position just because he's not the most not the most mobile getting up and down the pitch. He's not swinging crosses in. His delivery is you know, generally pretty poor. But his use of the ball playing in field is a little bit better. So I think he can be comfortable in there somewhat. And I think, as you say as well, that the bar was set a little bit lower than what we perhaps set for uh, a natural midfielder. But having said that, I don't think he did anything. I don't think you'd say that Tom Dele Bashiri has been particularly better than than that Gaspar performance. So um, credit to Mario. Is is a little bit prone to a dangle foot in the challenge, though, I do have to say. Hmm. Yeah. Bakuna, of course, is a bit currently <laughs> central midfielder that we have. Uh, you'd imagine that it will be himself and the new youngster that's uh, that's just come in that will be starting. Kone. Kone, yeah, um, who will be starting for the next fixture. Do we have any outline on, on Kambe's fitness? Uh, I don't think anything's been said definitively, no. Uh, I can't recall having it. There's so many injuries, it's hard to keep up. It feels like Kambe's <laughs> been gone forever, but... Um, 
Yeah, it's hard to keep up with everything. Did he get injured on the injured. trip to Spain? Is that right? Where he got injured? He may have done. I don't Which doesn't seem that long ago. No. No, I'm not entirely sure, but um, it was it was rare to be recent. But yeah, he he's he's one that we don't know. If you don't know exactly when he's coming back, I'm not sure how quick he is. I think. So I, I I got told that Imran loses thinking about end of January is the time that he's expected to be back, which would be a little bit sooner than we when we would have thought. And you know this isn't necessarily starting games, but getting back into training, getting back on the pitch, mm. so that he's potentially be able to contribute. So hopefully the hopefully it's sooner rather than later we start getting some players back. Obviously you know you have Kone coming in there too, which is who's going to help as as well. But um, what's your opinion, Jordan, on the on the Courtney House uh, injury? It was a consideration when he signed the, the fact that he's got you know a history of injuries, um, especially with that knee. A little bit less costly when it's a loan, but obviously we are relying on that loan. So it's it's a it's a very disappointing situation with Courtney House because he, he is an improvement to the team when he's fit and available to play. Uh, but currently he's just he's just not even looking close to being fit, and it sounds like there's a very good chance when we won't see him play for us again. So. Um, is yeah, it that bad? Is it really? I didn't know it was quite a serious. Yeah, story. well, it's it's that bad. I think the club are probably exploring options to to cut the deal short as well. So, mm. yeah, disappointing. You're There's right. A good He's chance a, that we don't see a good player, but just watch, yeah. not able to feature. It reminds me a little bit of Fitz Hall. Remember when he was uh, playing for us, mm. and he was probably the the best centre back we had at the time. But he he picked up an injury that just meant he couldn't recover. I just had a quick Google on Kayembe. Andrew French reported on December 14th that it was likely to be four or five weeks. So I guess in the next oh. couple of weeks, we might get him back. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. And on Courtney Howes, I just texted someone who's a Villa fan, but journalist and close to stuff. And he said his response was, he is imaginary, at least 85% imaginary. He was never fit for us ever. So there you go. I think that's the insight you need. He he doesn't exist. Yeah. He was a figment of the imagination of 20,000 people in the, on his one Watford appearance, which I could have sworn I saw, but evidently not. He he played a couple of times. He played more once. He just started one game. He had one, he had one good game where he locked up the left side of the pitch. I can't remember who it was against now off the top of my head, but... He's a good player. It's just he's not he's not available, and you know this availability is one of the most important qualities you can bring to a team. And unfortunately, he doesn't have availability that. is the best ability. Mm. True. You're right. Two sub appearances as well. So I missed both of those. So um, I, I asked this question to you guys um, in the previous sort of section of this of this pod, but I might have to ask it again because uh, the answer might have changed because we've, we've had three more injuries since. And I was going to say, do we need to make uh, more additions, uh, irrespective of the ones that we've already brought in? Yeah, for sure. And I think with with Keenan Davis's injury, we're now looking at striker as a potential uh, problem to be to be solved as well. Yeah. Um, no Pedro, no uh, no Davis. This is a worrying yeah. and a star and a that only on really Davis. turns up for ten minutes a game. Yeah, and you know, a, a hamstring injury on Davis concerns me. Um, you know the severity of these injuries can vary quite heavily, but depending on the grade of tear or, or you know, strain, it could be anything from a week to month. So uh, it's, it's it's a problem, and you can see in Bilic's post match uh, interview as well. You know he's obviously frustrated by the situation too. Um, 
So hopefully, you know, hopefully we can we can do something in the market. I think obviously Bio came in with the goal, um, yes, uh, against Norwich, but we we know he's not necessarily the sort of striker which which he wants to lead the line on his own, uh, and someone that Bilic was confident to be able to do the job that he wants to be done. So it does it does leave us looking at that that as an option to to potentially rectify. I know there's some people talking about Cameron Archer, but I think he's actually somewhat close to Borough now. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how we look to, to to work in the window there, and if we do at all. If he does go to Borough, though, that um, potentially would mean they want to get rid of somebody, and there has been talk in the press of that somebody being uh, Emmanuel Dennis, who um, potentially could come back this way because, as far as I understand, he can't go to any other club, at least in the English system, uh, other than Watford. Uh, well, I suppose he could go anywhere he wanted, but he wouldn't have to play for anyone uh, other than Watford this season uh, unless he went abroad, which is also an option. But that, I've, if the rumours are to be true, that he's the player they're looking at, at shifting in order to, to bring somebody else in. Yeah, what, what, what do you think on that? What's your feeling on, on, on the potential t- return of Dennis? Well, he, I mean, he started very well with us, didn't he, this season? It's hard to believe that he was actually playing a, a game or two this season, but he did. Um, and can you remember right back to the start of the season when we had... Um, Saw who seemed more interested then, uh, Dennis and who was up front? Was it Pedro? Was it Pedro? Yeah, my gosh, that those guys they, they looked phenomenal, didn't they? That together? was a fun evening, wasn't it? Taking yeah. back to Sheffield United at home on the first day of the season or the first night of the season for us win. I think a lot it, of people lumped some money on us to win it that yeah, <laughs> after that game, didn't they? Everything seemed possible, only. Loser and Tom Deli Bashiru were injured. We had a month of the transfer window left. Rob Edwards was still in post, and yeah, we were all young and naive. But uh, seems like Dennis was very good that night, wasn't he? Yes, he was very absolutely murdered them mm. running at them. I just don't see it. Do you? What has changed since then for us? I think if anything, we've gone backwards because what I could not... see happening is Dennis coming to us on a loan. Um, until oh, yeah. just that, just just until the, the end of the season, uh, so that they can then shift him at the end of the season and would be paying for all of his wages and just getting that off their wage bill, so that they can maybe bring somebody in. To I know. don't even know if the money is such a problem for them. They they're pretty wealthy, aren't they, Forrest, the, the the owner? I think it's probably just getting him out the door to create room in their <laughs> squad, isn't it? For um, you know, obviously they want us to pay his wages, but um or as much as we could. But I thought, yeah, I think it's more about making space in their Premier League squad without having an unhappy player. And I would reasonably assume he will have suitors from abroad that are more appealing than Watford, um, with yeah. all due disrespect to the club we support. Mm. I think what you have to question is, why isn't it working out at Forest? Um, why why, why do they want to get shot of him so, so quickly? And then also look at the... The, the, the rumours that surrounded his time at Vicarage Road. There was questions about his his personality prior to his arrival at Vicarage Road. Now, on the pitch, I don't think we ever really saw any any evidence of anything negative. Um, he always gave a lot of effort, and I think um, his performances were, were that of a professional. But, you know, there have been there has been discussion or talks about him being a bit of a problem within the within the dressing room and the sections of the of the team were pleased to see him leave. Is that true or not? I don't know, but it's just raising it as a as a potential here, especially with the fact that he's not getting on at Forest. Is that potential 
or is that a, a, a likely reason as to why I'm, I don't know but these are questions that have to be asked so if that is the case then I think the likelihood obviously goes down a little bit um, but you know just talking about the player I think if that is a possibility I'm sure um, Watford would be would be looking to to kind of explore that opportunity because if there's one thing we know is he does provide quality especially at this level he could definitely perform well and also we know that our owner uh, likes familiarity with with players and staff and and so on so I, I think when you look at Watford I know it gets talked about a lot and we actually were discussing this off air before we, we started but there is a romanticism about bringing the band back together and we but we do feel like a club that is open to that a little more than others so uh, I, I wouldn't rule it out at this point what other areas um, do we need to look at? I think what other areas don't we need to look at is a problem. <laughs> um, well, goalkeeper seems sorted, right? I mean, uh, Dan Backman has been producing some fantastic performances. Um, yeah. Waiting in the wings. We have um, a, a Koye who, I mean, I think could probably benefit from going on loan, couldn't he? Because he's... There's a talk of, there's talk of a loan, isn't there? Yeah. There's some week. talk, isn't there, that he's unhappy at lack of football which conceivably a year after you were signed for five million pounds or six million pounds whatever it is um you could understand that he would want to be doing him no good not mm. playing um i think is he not injured anyway has he not got a shoulder problem at the moment i was wondering if he was being kept out because of rule of 11 maybe i don't i have no nothing to back that up i was just wondering if that was the case I no idea I've, I've, that seems a long time ago doesn't it when we were worrying about the rule of 11 that's become irrelevant yeah that's true uh, as the season goes on uh, right back is obviously going to be sold by this jao ferreira signing which we can talk about in a bit i think left back as jordan said is a problem but i don't know if they will Especially now we've got three right backs. Will they make a beeline to solve left back um, this month? And, and with you know Ken Semmer can play there when he's fit. What are the chances of him getting injured when we need him most? Having been fit pretty much throughout his entire Watford career, central midfield. I don't know about you guys, but I still feel that needs bolstering purely because we just don't know the the time frame on. Loser, Cleverly and Gosling, they've all got pretty, um, or certainly Loser and, sorry, certainly Cleverly and Gosling have got injuries that are going to keep them out for a while yet. Loser might be a bit nearer, but, um, you know, it's not a case of snapping your fingers and putting them straight back in, is it? They need, they will need to be eased back in if indeed they all get fit before the season ends. Um, Mm. So that would be one. And then I think centre forward for me is also a big Problem if Keenan Davis is out for any length of time, we already know Raymond Eye's out uh, for a little while, and not that he's shown much, and that puts it all on bio. Thankfully, he's the greatest striker we've ever seen, <laughs> uh, as he's proven. But to be know, fair, he hasn't had a great learn. deal of time on the pitch. Maybe no, he's been unfortunate. I tweeted yesterday; he's got a Bambi-like quality to him. He just looks a bit skittish and. For a bloke who looks quite tall, I can't remember if we discussed, I feel like we discussed his height in the summer, didn't we? And we both said, or we all said, there's no way he is um, whatever height they were, the internet was claiming he was. Um, But he's not, he's not Keenan Davis, is he? They're a world apart in in ability and physicality as well. Mm. He just, you know, he just looks weak and not very imposing. A lot of missed um, chances recently has not helped him uh, 
win the fans over. Wasn't yeah, it? that chance he had prior to the goal yesterday could really have done with sticking that away from close range after Gaspar knocked it down. But Jordan, you sent out a pretty, you posted a pretty prescient tweet about his ability um, outside the penalty area versus his ability to get on the end of things and knock the ball in, and and, and so it proved. So. Yeah, I think I think that's just the sort of striker he is. He's he's somewhat of a poacher. He can he can get him behind and run with the ball if you get him into space. But he's he's not someone you want leading the line. You want him in the box. His his positioning is good. He knows he's he's good at sensing danger and getting into those positions in the box. Uh, it's purely a case of can you get it to him? And when when we're struggling like we have been with creating chances and you know obviously we haven't scored very much in the last uh, in the last few. I think how many goals we scored? Like two in two in five games or something like that. Previous this one. It's, it's difficult to find a place that suits him. A couple of times he got the ball in space against Norwich and he, he looked lost. There was that one occasion where he kind of got put through and turned back on himself and it just, you know, he, he didn't really have have the control we wanted to see and the, the poise and presence of mind to get himself out of that situation or, or put himself into a scoring situation. But, you know, he's a threat in the box and if you can get him in there and you can get the, the ball to him, you know, he can make a difference. And you look at the games he scored in, two of them have been decisive goals and he, he did have a really good volley as well against, was it Burnley he scored the volley against? Um, no, who was it? Who was the volley against? Barnsley? Rotherham. Rotherham. Well, yeah, Barnsley, Rotherham, the same. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's it's just a, a question of can you find a, a solution to, to him being the team and it's not really that starting position. So it, he's a tough one. He's, he's a tough one to put your finger on, really, I think. It's, it's difficult to ask uh, what you think the the predicted lineup for Reading might be because it's not really a an important game, is it? The FA Cup currently it, it always often it often ends up not being that important. It's a shame because I really want us to have a a good run in the FA Cup. The last time, of course, was when we got to the final, which was fantastic. But different times offer different opportunities, I suppose. And and would you agree that uh, this game? requires maybe a few youth players and um, just getting yeah, over and done it, with. It's the lowest priority game imaginable, really. Um, and even if we were bombing along, I wouldn't really put much stock in it. But with the injury situation being what it is, I would be tempted to rest anyone that you consider important, um, really, that it remains. So Ismail Asar, I don't want to see him, although I've been critical of him. I don't want to see him in the Reading postcode on Saturday. I want him to be <laughs> tucked up at home in bubble wrap, weighted on hand and foot by friends, family, agents, whatever it may be. Probably the same for Leandro Bacuna, as crazy as that sounds. You know, he's our only out-and-out midfielder. You know, he needs the same treatment. Um, Maybe a good opportunity for Jao Ferreira if, he, if the deal is done and he's able to play for him to get bother. a chance to... Uh, wouldn't bother. No? Play someone honestly. <laughs> I, I want to see bloody. I want to see. I almost don't want to see anyone that played on Saturday. I really don't care about disrespecting the cup. I don't want to see Ishmael Kone or Mateus Martins if he's fit or Ferreira if he's available. If they've got a squad number that's under fifty, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them in Reading. As I say, I want them. I want. I want us to recall Ashley Fletcher and fucking play him up front. I want you know. <laughs> Uh, Angelini in goal, other children in front of him, other children <laughs> in midfield. 
and Uncle Ron up front with Ashley Fletcher. That's what I want. Because honestly, <laughs> knowing our luck at the moment, so coin a, an Ian Holloway-ism, we could fall into a barrel of boobs and come out sucking our thumb. And if we play players that matter in the slightest, I can guarantee you someone's going to get hurt. It's just the way it's going at the moment. When it rains, it bloody pours. And it's monsoon season over Vicarage Road at the moment. So, yeah, that would be my... I've also seen that Paul Ince is not going to respect the cup particularly. He's going to said he's going to not fully go for it. You've got to be fair to the fans, but um, he's going to give his main players a rest. So, I just think we should be cynical and pragmatic about this one, um, personally. Am I am I overdoing it? Am I overigging it? Well, I mean, look, it's, it couldn't come at a worse time because it's, it's, it's not a priority. It's, it's secondary, as, as disappointing as that might be. It is what it is. We've barely got enough players to play in the league. So let's, uh, let's do what we have to do to get through the cup and, and try not to think about it too much more than that is probably what I would be thinking if I was Slavin Bilic or anyone Watford connected at this point. Fair enough, fair enough. I'd almost say Bilic don't go. Send send one of the coaches. Send Julian Dix because you can guarantee Bilic is going to fall over and break his leg at Lemagaski <laughs> if he goes as well. So, honestly, put Harry the Hornet in charge. Well, I mean, it's not a bad shout. <laughs> Should we ever talk about scouting uh, in, in wake of the uh, eh, fairly old news now that um, Watford have appointed a bit of a new backroom in in the scouting terms of things um you know what's going on tom so why don't you tell us what's happened we've well we've threatened to do this before now haven't we and it is as you say matt off air a minute ago kind of old news now so to speak but i think it's worth spending a couple of minutes on at least the appointments of ben manga and helena costa um who have joined us from eintracht frankfurt and already been busy so it seems whether or not it was a case of rubber stamping the move or uh, driving it from start to finish but certainly seems more likely to be the former um, the, we've got the deal for Jao Ferreira seemingly done according to Bilic or very close to being done a couple of bits of paperwork aside which adds another right back into the mix comes from Benfica who's been on loan at Rio Ave uh, in Portugal's top flight where he hasn't played very much is my one concern um, only in, not a, not a question against his kind of ability but um, 158 minutes in the league this season from eight sub appearances which makes me wonder per FB ref anyway which makes me wonder if he's going to be ready to go straight into the team and play regularly um, he has but, two legs I think that's really enough for us yeah that's exactly we shouldn't be too fussy right uh, in the circumstances uh, 21 years old six foot one going to cost a couple of million apparently from what I've watched which has only been a very cursory watch on uh, FB ref I don't think he can defend particularly well uh, seems to get done 1v1 for fun no concept of positioning whatsoever but um, quite keen to get forward and overlap and put crosses in. And that is borne out in his some of his kind of stats. If you look at the little FB ref um, comparison for his position over the last year, he's in the 99th percentile for assists by fullbacks, the 97th percentile for expected uh, goals assisted, 92nd percentile for shot-creating actions, 
So, you know, someone that kind of evidently gets into advanced positions and, and tries to make things happen defensively and, and so on, slightly less um, desirable. But look, I've only watched sort of a short uh, bit before we started recording on, on Wisecout. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. As you say, Jordan, he's got two two legs and he's fit. Well, we hope he's fit. We assume he's fit. So it can't it can't be a bad thing. But um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised we're putting down actual cash for a, a player given where we are at the moment financially and, and, and so on. But uh, yeah, that's that's one in the door. We'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll it. In, Benfica in, do have a very good track record of producing good players. So I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that he's coming from Benfica. Yeah, wasn't there some yeah. stat a couple of years ago about how many players they produced playing in the kind of top five leagues in Europe or something like that? And it was more than, I'm sure it was them. It was certainly a Portuguese club and it was kind of more than anyone. Um, but go on, Jordan, sorry. No, I think it's just, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think we'll still go into it further, but um, it's interesting to see kind of this influence coming from from Costa and, and Manga there. I, I, you assume this is a player that's been on their radar, someone they're familiar with. Portugal... And Mexico somewhere, which which manga has been quite favourable towards when it comes to signing players. Um, and that's, they, they often go through singular clubs too. That was that was a bit of a theme when he was at Frankfurt as well, looking uh, to kind of develop a connection between not not necessarily a, a full link with the club, but you know finding a finding a team, the style of football, the brand of football, and especially when it comes to developing players that suits what he's trying to do. And I think Benfica's probably somewhere we might see us pop up at again um, in the near future as, as a potential kind of source of players, um, especially because that history of, of Portugal being uh, being there at Frankfurt. But yeah, I don't know too much in the play himself. I haven't watched him enough to really say too much, but it's uh, it's it's a positive just to get someone in at the moment. So jewellery may still be out, but I'm, I'm pleased to at least see some, some attempt to address some of the problems we have uh, quite early. And hopefully we can continue kind of in that with that pace, keep the pace up for the rest of the window, and try and fill these holes as quickly and as efficiently as we can. Mm. What does that mean for someone like Jeremy Ngakia, though? I don't think he's probably starting quality, so I think it's it's competition at the very least, but it, it could be an upgrade is, is the hope. Okay. You know, I don't think they've gone out there, and when they when it comes to bringing the right back in, I don't think I don't think. Ferreira joining straight away indicates that they feel that right back is the biggest position of need, but it's the deal they could get done the quickest out of a list of players I'm sure they're working on is more likely. What's your opinion on the new scouting network? Uh... I think it's positive. I, I, I do intend to talk about this further with more detail, but in a nutshell, I think it's a positive move and providing the, providing we back up our, our claims or our offer to, to Manga, because I'm sure to get him to leave Frankfurt, we offered him something quite significant in terms of freedom and, and uh, agency in regarding the, the recruitment system at, at Watford. So if we do back him, we do allow him the freedom uh, to develop that that culture of a club that we expect or we hope for, you know, somewhat of an identity uh, which comes through recruitment and consistency of recruitment, then, you know, it could be a positive move because he's certainly got a good track record and what he did at Frankfurt was really impressive. He's He's done a very good job there. And, you know, if he can replicate that even 50%, he's improving us significantly. So I think it's a it's a positive direction to be going in, providing we we, we, we do support him in the way that he needs to be supported. Do you think it's the first sign of, ad, of admission from, from Watford or Udinese in general that um, perhaps they haven't been 
up to the standards or in scouting as as they once were and they're kind of maybe admitting that they need to improve i hope so but we we we've we've also had these hopes previously in other situations regarding the club so you know there's there's part of me that wants that to be the case I, I, it remains to be seen i think we're all very much to the point now where it's kind of we'll believe it when we see it uh, but it at least indicates it somewhat i think gives you something to be hopeful for but then again i guess it's the hope that kills you too indeed it always is isn't it um Billet shed recently that, that he admits that they need, they need to do more business and he says the priority is, is midfield and, and on the flanks, interestingly as well. What, what's your thoughts there? It's not my highest priority, I would say, but then obviously Pedro's injured at the moment and we've seen him play there. Saar could conceivably leave. Sema is injured. Kalu is injured. Uh, Aspria could play there, I guess, and he's just coming back from... Um, back into the team after being out for a little while as well so it probably is more of a an issue than I had appreciated until until now the only thing I'd say is are we going to now play this kind of three four one two three four two one shape three five two shape whatever it is more frequently I wonder um, or is that purely a result of the injuries and the fact that we have no wide players? Equally, I know that um, Eintracht Frankfurt, at least for part of the time that Ben Manga was there, played with a back three as well under Adi Hutter. So, you know, is there is there is that you know is that a correlation or causation there as well? I just wonder um, because you could potentially see us moving away from that I guess but I, I suppose if Bilic is saying he wants wingers then he intends to revert to playing with wingers and you could ignore everything I've said um, <laughs> by the same he time. might know something about Saar that we don't as well for example that's mm. true yeah that is a very good point yes and as as he hasn't signed a new contract um, you'd be thinking that his transfer status what all you know how much he's worth basically is decreasing by the day, right? Yeah, I think there's got to be some resolution to to his situation as soon as as possible. Really, I think selling is the most likely option should there be the interest, and I think it's probably the smart move. It just it's just a kind of a wait and see situation for us now, but it is one that I probably expect to take place this window. I know there's talk of a new contract, but. You know, you'd have thought that would have been done by now if that was a viable option. So, would you take it, a switch deal if uh, if it was say Emmanuel Dennis for him? Um, yeah, I mean, if the situation is right and it's a, it's a favourable opportunity for us, then then for sure. I mean, player wise, it's not a bad trade, um, and I, I think we're kind of somewhat resigned to losing. I feel like I've been resigned to losing Sar for a while now. It's not as painful as a <laughs> feels like it's a, a couple of seasons we've been resigning ourselves, and he's still here. Yeah, I, I see. It. I don't really feel. I, I I think I'm open to the. I think it's right that we sell him. I think it's it's the next step which should be taken. As long as it's a good deal for the club, and I think it's a you know it's a it's a positive. But yeah, I mean Dennis. The thing with if you had a switch with say Dennis, for example, you're at least getting some confirmed reinvestment straight away, which I, I think kind of makes that even feel for more of a positive than than you would otherwise say maybe. Tom, how about you? What do you reckon? Uh, no. No. Fair. Because I don't think it really solves anything. I.e., I don't think he would want to be here particularly. And if we ended up doing that and then staying down, 
I suspect we just have to sell him anyway. And from a book perspective, I imagine the club would rather have the cash as well. Fair enough. Good stuff. That um, will wrap us up for for the for this for this pod. Uh, this uh, pod containing both the Swansea uh, review and also the Norwich review. Uh, well, despite uh, Tom's <laughs> fantastic preview, we will be covering the Reading game, uh, although it might be a shorter than usual pod. Um, this one was probably a bit longer than usual, so maybe it makes up for it. Um, I hope you've uh, enjoyed your your Christmas. I hope you've enjoyed your New Year and um, I'm ready to get back to the slog because the uh, the Watford guys are going to need to do exactly that because it's not going to be easy <laughs> especially with the with the, with the uh, increased injury list but at least we've got some recruits coming through the door and hey I tell you what if that team that went out there against Norwich can show a bit of that guy or a bit of that determination and come away with, with the win like they did then uh, anything's possible Tom no, absolutely right. There's there's something to build on there, isn't there? I think that could be a pretty important victory come the season's end. If we achieve anything this year, you might very well look back on that one and kind of hold that up as a turning point to go to Norwich. You will have aspirations of promotion and, and getting, you know, picked up a little bit since sacking Dean Smith and getting a result against all the odds. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a tricky one. You want to build on it, but equally, I've made my position very clear on uh, the importance <laughs> of that game. Good stuff, then. That's it uh, for, for today. From myself, from Jordan and from Tom, we've uh, been enjoying this one and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 